Welcome to the Weight Loss for South Asian Women Professionals podcast. I'm your host, certified life and weight loss coach and physician, Dr. Amruti Chowdhury, MBBS. I lost over 92 pounds using the mind management tools I teach. In this podcast, you will learn how to lose weight for the last time by taking control of your mind. Once you deal with the mental weight, the physical weight will be much easier to release. If you're ready for a fresh new perspective on weight loss, you're in the right place. Hello, welcome to the podcast. So on this podcast today, I have one of my dear friends and colleagues, Niha Wunawa, and she is a leadership coach in the US, and she is an excellent advocate of how to be a leader in the corporate world, but also how to be a leader of yourself. So I'm really excited to have Niha on the on the podcast today. Hi. 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 I'm I'm really thrilled to be here and to be speaking with you on this topic and also to share some tips that I think you and I both agree are really, really essential for Indian women, for women of color, people that are really getting back in touch with themselves, with their interests, and you know, kind of thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And if they're not back in touch today, we'll talk about some specific tips and tools and way to think about things so they can get re-engaged with the value they have to offer and also really cultivate a space within themselves and in their lives to make sure that they are leading from a place that is fulfilling and also balancing out their life so that they feel more in leadership of where they're going and more more stress-free and taking care of themselves. I think it's really essential for women, especially during a pandemic, especially during all the demands that they can take on to hit the pause button and make sure that they do that. That's That just hits the nail on the head because us as women, we often don't take that pause, right? We often, especially us South Asian women, it's very much like it's inbuilt in our culture that we have to do we have to have all of these different roles and I know for me growing up and in in our culture it's very much like you have to make sure you're a good mum you have to make sure you're a good wife you have to make sure you're a good daughter and daughter-in-law you know sister friend it's kind of like we wear so many hats and often we we tend to forget about ourselves right so the main reason i wanted you to come on this podcast is because with your leadership background i wanted my listeners to understand how to become a leader of themselves so i think it would be really useful just to kind of get a bit of your background so they can know a little bit about you and how amazing the work that you're doing is in the world Oh, well, thank you so much for that. I have over two decades of experience in organizational leadership and strategic management in areas of healthcare, academics, organizations, and also in the corporate world. So I also have two management degrees, so kind of built my career on leadership and management, but really it started in my home. So I do come from a family, a South Indian family that valued education very much but I was also very blessed and gifted that I was able to speak my mind and I was encouraged to speak my mind. So I know that that's really fascinating because in a lot of our cultural conditioning, and I learned this later in life that I found myself kind of contracting and shutting down 
which is really interesting because if I really were to review the way that I was raised in my household, I can almost think of no time that I was told, like, that's a loud opinion. Keep that to yourself. That's a little out there. Keep that to yourself. So my father was an incredible leader and he had a strong corporate background, went to IIT in mm. Bombay. So education, leadership, he came to this country in Wisconsin, and he told me that he was president of the Indian Association there. Mm. And he said that that led to such an outstanding distinction for him because it had him thinking about bringing communities together and groups together, and it laid a foundation to be very attractive in the future for him. Because when we really think about engaging and leading people from a place of purpose, there's a lot of uniting that happens there. And there's a lot of self-awareness that we have to have when we're not only thinking about what's best for us, but we're, we're thinking about what's best for people. So we talked a lot about politics, corporate politics, American politics, world politics. So I really have been a person that's been engaged in the voice that we create for ourselves, standing up for the underdog, making things better in organizations, in our homes, but also in areas that are important to us in our communities, because leadership comes in all of those different areas. And so I also spent many, many years supporting CEOs and the C-suite leaders in boardrooms, coming up with strategic plans that not only brought them financial success, but really kept their people engaged. So their physicians engaged, their frontline leaders engaged, but also everybody that's doing the hard work, the backbone of the organization. Mm -hmm. So that really has me always thinking about lean operations, mm -hmm. but also how do we come together as people, mm -hmm. connectivity from a very authentic space to do the mm -hmm. right thing for the future. And I think that that is what leadership really is. And that is what I like to work with my clients about Mm. But to the point that we're discussing very specifically today, that when you are a leader, and I believe everybody is a leader, yes. so every one of your listeners is a leader. If she is in her life and awake and breathing and thinking she is a leader, she just has to cultivate some of that thinking again, press the play button on the mm. proper thinking and thoughts mm. that bring that to the forefront. And I know you and I will be discussing that a little bit more in specifics today. I love that because I was thinking a lot of my clients don't think of themselves as a leader. Mm. They don't think of themselves even as their own advocate. Often, they feel guilty for even taking some time out for themselves to do something like some self-care because they often feel like this is selfish. This is something that they shouldn't be doing. And they often think mm -hmm. that it's taking time away from their other responsibilities. So a lot of my clients often say, oh, well, I can't take that time out to plan my food because that will be taking time away from my children. And that mm. makes me a bad mum. So often in coaching, we often have to kind of unpack a lot of that and look at how, when they are taking that time out to do things for themselves, when they are allocating time, money, energy, and focus on the things that they do want to achieve. And with my clients, it's, it's permanent weight loss. That starts with allowing themselves 
to raise their thinking about themselves. So to think of themselves as important. And that's why I love what you said about, you know, you're already a leader. When you already think of yourself as a leader, what evidence do you have in your life to actually draw upon that, to actually prove that belief true? Do you have any any tips for for them, Niha? Yeah, so I think that what you're speaking about today is really thinking about, number one, going from passive action and passive thinking. So this is the way it's always been done. Mm. This is how my mother did it the people before me in my traditional families and in my grandmother. And we want to honor that. Absolutely. We come from a lineage of, I, I always tell myself, and I believe this, that Indian women are the strongest women (laughs) with the most capability. And we should be so proud of that. So we want to make sure. And like you said, to use the evidence and the history, the rich and deep cultural history and traditions to work for us Hmm. in 2022, as we are building families and children that are getting to experience new opportunities that maybe didn't exist 50 or 100 years ago. So we want to make sure that our mindset and our thinking is up to date, Hmm. up to speed for all the different advances and thinking so that we are making sure that our children have choice and agency. They're not being reactive or passive to just the way things have been done. Mm. And we know things are changing in our country of familial origin in India. We know that because women, when they gain more independence, when they gain more authority and decision-making at the highest levels of organizations, which is my mission and my goal, is to make sure that Indian women and people of color in all industries are really represented at those higher levels of leadership. Mm -hmm. When that happens, you have more access to decision-making, to who is hired. You also get more access to money and authority that really dictate and shapes how things are being done. Mm. And we can do that on an individual level. And we must do that Mm. in our homes, in our schools, and in our communities. I love how you said, draw upon the rich culture that we have and use it for you. Because often what we do is we use it against us, don't we? I grew up thinking and being taught that you must finish everything on your plate. And it's Mm. like, it's one of those things that you know, we don't waste food or there's people starving on the other side of the world. So we must really be grateful for our food and and actually eat it all and things like that. So some of those thoughts, culturally, it was like all about food. It was all about in the Asian culture. It was very much like, oh, look, you know, this is how we show our love. And so sometimes for, for my clients, especially they're like, well, you know, in the South Asian culture, how do I use the culture? They often think of it as this is working against me. But what you're saying is we've got so much rich heritage. How can we start using it for us? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, cause it's very interesting when you were talking, I realized, and, 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 and so I've talked about this many different times and social conversations Mm. and just over the course of my life, it's like we, we get those conflicting messages all the time. Study, study really hard. Be the very best you can be. Oh, by the way, why aren't you married yet? Don't talk to boys. Don't be on the phone. I don't want you socializing. Watch who you are with. Oh, by the way, 
why do you not know how to communicate well with, with the boys now? And then why aren't you finding a way to get married? Yes. The pressure and the stress of these different images and, and these different expectations. And then what you just said, love, eat, 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 love, love, love. Like this is, this is our tradition. This is food. So much, so much deep fried food, so much mm. sugary, sugary, really sugary food. Oh, by the way, you should also look really beautiful and smelt in a sari when mm. you go out for Diwali and look amazing. So we have to be aware of conflicting messages mm. and where we want to wade things through and use them for us, mm. not against us, even when it's uncomfortable. And even when it's easier to, you know, pop the sweet in our mouth, of course, right? Instead of taking leadership and saying the hard thing, saying, you know what? I love that sweet. I love it. And I can have one, but I'm going to have it on Saturday, not every day of our five-day festival, because mm. if I do, and, and it's just, or even not saying it and just saying, uh, I wish I could, but I can't and being okay with that. Yeah. But we don't tend to do that because we want to please. Yes. We want the aunties to be happy with us. Mm. We, we never want to disappoint our mothers and our fathers mm. and, and anybody in our life, including our children. We have to watch what we're modeling for our children too. Mm. When we're passive and reactive and just doing things to mm. make people happy. And then meanwhile, we know there's an obesity epidemic. So I have a, I also have a degree in public health. I don't know if I've ever told you that, but mm. we want to be careful with those epidemics mm. and um, obesity and diabetes, which is very, very common in South Indians. Yeah. So we just can't just eat sweets for fun and make them and deep fry them. And I have to stand up for that and stand behind that. And I, I really do encourage people to be a strong advocate for their health. And I think it starts off with being your own advocate, being okay with saying no to things when it allows you to say yes to yourself. Now, one of the things that I teach a lot of my clients is it's not really about the food. It's about your commitment to sticking to what you say you're going to do. So if you put on your protocol that this is what I'm going to eat, when then the auntie says, here, have, have, have another samosa. And you're like, well, mm, no, I'm actually full. Are you able to say that? Or is it more important for you to please them at the expense of yourself? So what we develop is that kind of internal confidence, that self-confidence to be able to be the advocate of what we actually believe. So that brings me on to when you are being that advocate, when you are being that leader of your own mind, that's when you are able to externally show up as the person you want to show up as. In my journey, what it showed up as is initially I was that people pleaser. I was that, you know, very high achieving person who was always the top of the class, but I was always pleasing others. And what it showed up for me as is I, I was like having this deep disappointment in myself that I wasn't able to please myself. I wasn't able to do the things that I really wanted to do. And for mm. me, that was losing weight permanently and, and keeping it off, right? So when I was able to say, you know what? Now I've come to this point where I don't want to do that anymore. And even if it goes against my cultural norms, even if it goes against some of the things that I've been taught growing up, I'm willing to do that. 
I'm willing to kind of stand up for myself in an assertive, in a grounded way. Like, you know what? It's okay. I don't believe that anymore. And I'm going to stand up for this. Yeah. So what I think you're really talking about is a concept that I speak with my leaders really about thought leadership and it's determining on purpose the thoughts and the beliefs that you cultivate or that maybe deep inside of you that you need to bring to the surface that create a new paradigm of thinking Mm. that gets you closer to your goals Mm. or your desires, Mm. not farther away. And so with that, it really is what else comes with that new ideas, more creativity, more connectivity, Hmm. doing things in a way, trying things and really understanding how people pleasing comes up with perfectionism and comes up with our cultural expectations and norms, but how that just might have manifested itself as a byproduct because of other things that were expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we think about the concept of dharma and how we have certain roles in our life, there is a time in our life to be a child and just to be playful and to grow and to learn. Mm-hmm. Then we shift into a place of being a student and making sure that we are learning and, you know, taking on and preparing for the future. Then we get into the phase of caretaking and taking care of the family and making sure that we are doing those things that keep structures and societies organized and healthy and safe. Mm. But we want to make sure that we understand the root purpose of those things Mm. and not just kind of say, well, yes, I'm supposed to just totally take care of all these things over here and never question it, never question it. We want to be very aware of our beliefs and our thoughts Mm. and take significant challenge to the things that may actually be harming ourselves and our family, if we just let those kind of weeds grow in the garden unattended, Mm. we want to be very mindful and take thought leadership in addressing and questioning things and really kind of say, if a healthy family that's happy, thriving and beautiful, and all of those things have a place, there's a reason why fitness, yoga, meditation has such a place, pranayam has such a place in our ancestry is because it, it uh, creates wellness. Mm. Meditation, thought leadership creates wellness. Mm. And as a woman, as a mother, as a leader in our families, we have to model that by choosing behaviors that signify that in our health numbers, in our weight and in our thinking. Yes, I love that. Okay. So My clients and my listeners are probably thinking, okay, this sounds amazing, but how do I put that into practice? So how do you do that with your clients or with your own self? And then I'll tell my clients how I do that for me and my family. Yeah. So honestly, Amrithi, one of the things that I talk about with my clients is that your day has to reflect your goals and what's meaningful to you. And if right now, you know, to use the example of of weight or wellness, if your diabetic numbers are getting out of control, uh, and if your weight is not what you want, you have to recognize the hard truth here. Mm. What you're doing today is creating that. Yeah. And you need to take an honest look. And that's Mm. a direct conversations that 
that coaches have. Yes. To kind of say, this isn't happening to you. And, mm. you know, when we want to dive into the, the cookies and the Oreos, and, and we see this in all places and in all industries, high professionals, high achievers, mm. like the ones I work with, director levels, vice presidents, CEOs, we're all doing something to mask the nervousness that we have before a presentation, the worry or anxiety we have before coming to a meeting or addressing our family, whatever the situation is. And we want to make sure that we don't want to be gulping down things that get in the way. Or, you know, for, for my clients, sometimes, sometimes they are drinking to take the edge off or eating to take the edge off or staying up too late. And then they're tired in the next morning and, and or they are eating or just consuming or purchasing things. We want to make sure that they understand that their day creates the result that you have at the end of the day. Mm. And so we, again, what we said at the top of the conversation, pause and just create awareness that that is true. Mm. The car that you drive didn't just land in your driveway, yes. whether it's a family minivan or a really fancy sports car, mm. it came after a series of decisions that made it happen. And that's the same with your mental wellness and your physical wellness and the weight that you're carrying today, the job that you have today, whether it's extremely stressful and you're reacting all day or whether you have taken control. And so I like people to think about control your goal, mm. control your day. That's where it starts. And I like to specifically talk to my very time-starved high achieving group of people, 10 minutes over that hot beverage of the morning, whether it's tea or chai or coffee, that is enough time to completely change your life. Yes. Then the first two minutes being, even when you're brewing the thing of being aware of what you're thinking today, what you want to achieve, what your deepest dream and goal and desire is for yourself, because that's what a goal is. It is mm -hmm. a dream. And it's a universal connectivity that you have to share your gifts with the world. Mm. That's what it is. That's what you have inside of you, your talents, your unique strengths. And then from there, you draw some of those out, write it on a piece of paper, anything, keep a notebook right there and start to capture those and answer questions. What are my strengths? What do I love? Sometimes people are really stuck and I tell them, and I get this question several, several times a week when I do seminars and speak at universities and they're like, but I just don't know what I'm interested mm -hmm. in. Why is that? It's because we're not in touch. We mm -hmm. do have the answer. Mm -hmm. So you want to ask yourself, if I go on vacation, what do I like to do? Do I like to go to museums or is it all adventure? Is it hiking? Is it, mm. you know, what is it that will start to cultivate ideas and thoughts? What novels yeah. do you like to read? And so you capture that and then you start to make choices. So spend the next five minutes of that hot cup of coffee thinking about the choices you want to make mm. and then backtracking that into creating a day that revolves around those choices. Mm. But it starts with women taking 10 minutes out of their day. And really, if they can't get to the point where they're taking 45 minutes to an hour, they really need to start questioning fundamentally where they're using their time. Mm. There's definitely time there that's wasted that they can eliminate. They may not want to know that or hear that. <laughs> yeah. I often say that with my clients as well. So I often say similar things. So it's about thinking, what do I want to achieve? 
And what is my main goal? So I loved how you said it's a dream. But taking it further, it's also kind of making that dream your reality by having the thoughts, feelings and actions to actually create that result for you. So it's sometimes just believing that, yes, this is possible for me. And sometimes my clients aren't even able to get there because they're so used to being in a body at a weight that they're just not used to and that they're just not happy at. And so just believing that, is there a possibility? So sparking possibility in Mm. this goal is going to be possible for me. Just getting to there. And as Niha was saying, in that 10 minutes of when you're taking that time out for you, asking yourself, am I able to consistently every single day spare 10 Mm. minutes to do this? And if not, someone wise once said to me, if you're not able to take 10 minutes out of your day, you need to take an hour out of your day. And that shows that if we are not able to prioritize our own wellness for 10 minutes a day, then that's when we need to try and prioritize way more because that's what will benefit us. So how that shows up for me and my clients, I do my thought download in the morning. So that's with my cup of coffee. And I write down what my goal is. I write down three reasons that I want to achieve that goal. Two reasons I'm already capable and competent to achieve it. And one thing that I'm going to do today to get me closer to that goal. Every single day I do that. And it takes me about two or three minutes. And then I offload all the contents of my brain. But when I start off with that, it's kind of like I'm leading my brain. I'm becoming that leader of my brain. I'm sparking that possibility. So the rest of my thought download is much more like, yeah, this is actually possible because these are the reasons why it's possible. These are the reasons why it's important to me. So it just allows me to get into that zone of, you know what, this isn't just possible, but this is what I'm creating. This is one thing that I'm going to do today to get me closer to that. So it makes it more practical and it makes it doable for myself and for my clients. So that's what I suggest that they do first thing in the morning. And then last thing at night, I suggest that they just spend some time looking at their accomplishments in the day, looking for evidence to prove Mm. that yes, I'm already living this. I'm already doing this. I'm already so successful. I'm already a leader in my own life. And if you look for that evidence, you will find it. Like for me, I'm able to be the leader of what my kids are going to be doing, their schedule, uh, making sure the shopping's coming in time, the arranging all the social engagements that we've got. That is all evidence of you being a leader. So if you are already a leader in all of these aspects, you can use those same thoughts to provide evidence that you are already doing it. So you becoming a leader of yourself, you've already got those neural pathways built. So it's just about stretching them out a little bit more to make yourself believe that you can do it for you and allowing yourself to do that. I love that. I think that is, it's such a critical, nice way to package it up on the front end and then Mm. see the evidence and then take action. Yeah. And what I say to my clients as well is to kind of have some time where they allow their brains to just wonder. So often as as humans, we are the only species who can be watchers of our own brain, right? And so when we are allowing ourselves to meditate, we are becoming a watcher of our own brain. When we Mm. are allowing ourselves to just think, but without judging ourselves and allowing our brain to go wherever it wants to go, that is when all of the most amazing ideas come. That's when the inspiration comes. That's when we allow ourselves to believe in things that we never would have even allowed ourselves to believe previously. And that is one of the things that really helps my clients to get into the 
belief that they are able to do this for themselves. I think that is so empowering because what you're really helping them to do is probably something that they've dreamed and desired to do very tangibly for a specific amount of time. And you're taking care of it and addressing it at the very root Mm. so that those skills and techniques that they're learning are permanent. Mm. They're treating the cause, not just the the things that we all can do something for that five to 10 pound Mm. kind of reduction. But then when it keeps coming back over a cycle of years and years and years, we know that there's something else that's really spurring that behavior and that result. And it's something that you're thinking and doing. Yeah. And I love that. We can lose weight by, you know, managing our food and things like that. We can lose a few Mm -hmm. pounds, but when you want to really get down to dealing with the underlying reason why you're overeating, it's actually because you're thinking thoughts that are just not serving you. You're believing things that have, that you've been probably thinking for decades, maybe even that are just not helping you now. And you are not willing to feel those uncomfortable emotions that are coming up, which are going to be present 50% of the time. Because as I say, life is 50-50. There's going to be 50% positive emotion and 50% negative emotion. And when we keep training our brains that this negative emotion is bad, we need to run away from it, then we're always going to run away to food, overeating, overdrinking, overworking, um, people-pleasing, doing all of these things Mm. to give that false pleasure in the moment. But then there's always a net negative that comes. We may be overweight, we may be drinking too much, we may be overworking and not spending time with our children, we may be overspending and having too much stuff. That's when we want to really get to the bottom of, if I was able to change the way I was thinking about this and actually feel those emotions all the way through, instead of avoiding them, how would life be different? Yeah, absolutely. And seeing things new that we didn't know were the way that we were operating, Mm. shining a light on all of those things. Mm so that we can choose purposefully for what we want. What would you advise the South Asian women who feel guilty about taking some time out for themselves and doing something for themselves? What would you advise them? I would really have them think about what is rooted in the guilt. Like they really need to understand. I think we just take it at a surface level. We don't want to experience the negative experience of guilt. We have to ask ourselves, well, first of all, why, why? And and guilt, I believe it's something like I did something wrong, like versus shame is I am wrong. Mm. And then there's guilt. I did something wrong. And so what that's driving at is that you have a belief system in your brain right now, structural operating system going on in your brain that's telling you that when you do things for yourself, it's wrong. But you want to be really careful about what thing it is. So you want to know what circumstance or situation it's saying, because it might be tricking you to just making you feel guilty when, oh, my my child is here and, you know, maybe you're working out or you're getting coaching, but what about all the time that you're using that you don't feel guilty about Mm. that has nothing to do, but you know, with your child, it's like, it's almost convenient for that guilt to pop up and be Mm. like a pseudo good enough reason. Like, Oh, I'm a good mom. So I don't do this because my child would be deprived of my time or attention. But The same guilt may not arise when you're chatting on the phone or on Instagram Mm. and just passively looking at 
things to buy. We don't think, oh, I'm, I'm guilty. Like the child is doing something else passively or at school or maybe on the iPad. But at that point, we don't mind so much because it's almost like not getting in the way of something we maybe don't want to really do. Yeah. So we say we want to lose weight. We say we want to exercise, but we don't. And we're using guilt as like a pseudo reason. Yeah. And it's like justifying, isn't it? It's kind of like, yes. it, we, it kind of like give ourselves a medal of honor. Like, oh, look, I'm not exercising because actually I'm a good mom. I spend time with my children, but we don't think about the hours that we're scrolling on Facebook or that we're watching Netflix or you know, doing all of those right. things, right? And so mm. you want to know where are you, you want to be on to yourself. Mm. Like where is your mind tricking you to not do the hard thing, mm. right? In this case, it's like, going above the inertia, getting over that yeah. and doing, I mean, when you're first starting to work out again and do these things that are healthy for you, it is uncomfortable, Yeah, but you'll give yourself a pass from the medal of guilt and martyrdom. Yeah. But then if you feel guilty and snap and you're getting ready for a party and you're not feeling your best. And so mm-hmm. you're running around the house, trying to find something that fits and snapping at everybody. That's also not a good result of the same thing. Yes. And we forget that, don't we? We think that, well, no, I, I just had to do that because, and, and then we blame, like we feel, oh, I have, yeah. you know, because my child they did this or because my husband did that or, you know, wh- whatever. It's easier to blame others than take responsibility yes. for our own thoughts and feelings and actions. Yeah. It's easier to well, say it was their fault than, than actually be like, you know what? I, I probably, you know, put my hands up. I shouted and there wasn't really any need to do that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably rooted in a lot of the way that culturally we were brought up because Mm. I I mean, I'm sure that there's many ways that we believe too. Our mom is there to do everything for us. And our moms did everything for us. And when the book wasn't there, this Mm. wasn't there, this wasn't, we would say, mom, mom, you know, and that Mm. there was that codependency kind of thinking. And we just want to really question that. Mm. in 2022 and how we're approaching that and now are we also looking externally Mm. is my spouse supporting this is my husband agreeing for this is my child being perfect so that I have 45 minutes to go it's like no 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 where are you you know when my child was born I found a way I worked and did meetings and did all of it I worked out for 45 minutes I figured it out you know so it meant I would have to take the walks I bought an elliptical machine Mm. and I did the things so that I could take control of my health yes and that's the point isn't it resources yeah we've got to find a way that works for us and often it's very easy to blame but when you really want something you will make it work like for example if someone says you know if you do this then this will um, increase the health of your child you would do that thing you would go all out you would like push everything to the side and you will do that thing so the same thing I just want to offer why is it different when it comes to your own health? And when we're able to do things for our children and think that this is so easy for me to do, for me to give up, for me to change my routine for our children, what are we teaching our children when we're not doing that for ourselves? What are we instilling in them when we are showing them that we're not as important? We always put our children first or our mm-hmm. you know, family or on first. 
This is one of the main things we work on with my clients because they're often feeling so bad about that. And so I teach them that actually when they are able to look after themselves, when, and that doesn't need to be the normal like self-care of baths and things like that. It may just be planning their food and doing a thought download. It may be kind of different self-care, right? When they're able to just take 10 minutes out for themselves, that is actually more beneficial for the rest of the family because when they are looking after themselves, when they are repairing their own relationship with themselves, they are showing up as an even better mom, as an even better wife or spouse, as an even better daughter or daughter-in-law because they're looking after themselves. And being able to say no to your kids for 10 minutes and maybe even putting the TV on for them for while you're doing your thought download or, you know, just saying, I'll just give you your food in a second, but this is mommy's time. That's so beneficial for them because they start realizing that, yes, mommy is looking after herself. Mommy is doing something for herself because that is also important. Yeah, because it has compounded lifelong benefits. Yeah. that they're learning skills, they're watching and seeing. And I know that that was absolutely critical for me, you know, watching the mm. ways that my parents modeled things for me so that my siblings and I, my amazing brothers and I were able to go out and just really be strong thinkers, independent mm. thinkers and leaders in our own ways. Both my brothers are physicians. They're amazing. We came from watching that modeling of family first, but health first with a lot of joy. Mm. And we want to make sure that we're thinking about that so Mm. that that'll pay off for them in all areas of their life. So a phenomenal mind exercise will be for your people listening to run through the benefits. We give so much airtime to the negative reasons that something can't work, Mm. but you want to give a lot of compounded thinking and to the compounded results, you want to give some time to the positive benefits that will happen, play it out in the long term and start to, we have to pause and not do things for just the immediate instant Mm. gratification that everybody is looking for these days and really think about how it's going to be beneficial to everybody in all areas of our life. Cause how we do things in one area impacts others. Mm. And now you're setting the practice for that in your life and for your children. Yeah. And the important thing that you just hit the nail on the head is the being willing to delay your gratification, being willing Mm. to not get the, you know, the dopamine hit in the moment and feel so amazing in the moment, but knowing that it's for that deeper desire that you actually want. Everyone says to me, yeah, I want to make more time for myself. I know it will be better for my kids. But then when it comes down to it and, you know, they say that they're going to exercise for their own self-care, then they're like, oh, no, no, no. My kids are calling for me and they want some Mm. food or whatever. And so it just goes out of your brain. But when you are really connected to that, you are willing to then say, do you know what? This is my time right now. I'm just going to take this time and I'll give you your food in a little while. Being willing to sit in that discomfort in the moment, it doesn't feel good. You know, it often feels very uncomfortable, but when you're willing to go through that discomfort in the moment, that's where you will get the gains. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember having my child like in her playpen and I would be like, work it out. And sometimes she would just be crying, but I was like, Hey, I've got 50 pounds to lose after this first child. It's on me because I know that having better health is also role modeling that Mm -hmm. for my children. And so I, you have to feel uncomfortable now. And now it's expected. I'm just like, Hey, when I'm working out, like, you know, and I don't make a big to do about it. I Mm -hmm. don't make a big to do and drive and I'm gone for an hour and a Mm -hmm. half in the middle. No, I wake up earlier. I get it done. It's Mm -hmm. my own time, but people know, Oh, if mom's doing that, that's not the time now to ask her. 
and they're perfectly fine. They are very capable, very independent children. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the tone that we're setting when we lead from there. Yes. What an amazing <laughs> thing to end on. So Niha, I just wanted to check, is there any last parting wisdom you would like to give to my listeners? I do. I do. I want to remind the listeners today that, you know, keep in mind the lineage and the traditions that we come from. Okay. There is a very strong female energy, Mm. powerful energy that we talk about in our culture and in our background. We want to draw on that from the universe you know, the abundance that come from the goddesses and from the babies that are depicted in our religion and in our mythology and in our culture. Let's not forget about that. That's Mm. in us. That is our tradition. And we want to honor that and bring it to the forefront for universal good, Mm. really making change that the world needs that the world needs healing. It needs that feminine, strong energy, that Shakti that sits in the spine of our body that is there to be cultivated and brought to the surface through our honoring and thinking and bringing our strengths, our talents, our leadership, our wellness to our families, our children, our spouses, our communities. So let us use it for our best advantage and for the universe. I just think it's such a beautiful and magical uplifting concept. And that is one that, that we get to draw from. Yeah, because we are so blessed to be from this culture. So we get to, you know, we get to experience that the magic of that, but also be able to use it for us right? And not use it against us anymore and and give ourselves permission to be like, you know what, there's some Mm -hmm. things that may not work for me right now. And that's okay. I don't need to be the exact same as say how my mom did it or how the last generation did it. I get to draw on what serves me, that amazing, beautiful abundance and draw upon what are the things that I want to incorporate in my life from the Western culture as well and have an amazing mix of the two that works for us. That's such power there because that's how evolution happens. That's how things get better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, so happy to have had you on the podcast today. It's been such an amazing conversation. And I know my listeners will really listen to this and learn how to be leaders of themselves and believe in their kind of true desires and actually go and and create it for themselves and if anyone wants to find out more about Niha um, I'll put it all in the show notes so you can contact her if you would like her to be your leadership coach because she is amazing so thank you so much Niha I really appreciate you thank coming you on Amrithi. it was just a joy to talk to you for this time today thank you take care bye-bye for more free resources and for information on how to work with me, visit www.amruticoaching.com.